Front Range Outdoors is brought to you in part by Wild Montana's Island Range Chapter, uniting and mobilizing communities to keep Montana wild. Learn more at wildmontana.org forward slash IRC. Also, Front Range Outdoors is sponsored by Great Falls Area State Parks, including Giant Springs, Tower Rock, First People's Buffalo Jump, and Sluice Boxes, providing year-round cultural, historical, and recreational experiences for the Great Falls area. Good afternoon and welcome to Front Range Outdoors on KGPR Great Falls. This is Amy Griesack. I am flying solo again today. Marty Bannon is off on other adventures. But today we are speaking with Rick Hohenhausen, who is the Director of Sales and Marketing for Yellowstone National Park Lodges, which is with the Zantara Travel Collection. So thank you so much, Rick, for spending some time with us today. Pleasure is all mine. I look forward to, to talking with you. Well, we've talked off and on throughout this year about various topics, but definitely one thing that really caught my attention, and of course as we're into December here, is all of the winter opportunities in Yellowstone. But even before we get then there, I wanted to talk to you about your experience with the park because you have been on the concession side and working in Yellowstone for quite a few years, haven't you? How did you get started? (laughs) Yes, I have been here quite some time. I actually started here as a seasonal after college in 1980, and I came out from Syracuse, New York on a Greyhound bus. Not that that matters, but uh, it, it shows you how important it was for me to get out here. And uh, after one summer, I decided i got to figure out a way to make this a longer-term <laughs> opportunity. Yeah. And so I actually ended up working three summers, 80, 81, and 2. I'd go back to Syracuse to find a job to hold it together just so I could come back here to really? Yellowstone in the summer, and I remember my dad scratching his head, how's that college degree working for you? Because oh. at that time, I was, it was a seasonal job, and I, I was working in the laundry. So I'm sure he had some questions. But um, they ended up coming out and visiting me and seeing what this place is all about, and then they understood oh, that's uh, exactly what the appeal was and why this was a good idea. And I've been very fortunate from there to end up, uh, through this company actually, ended up working in the Everglades National Park for this company, uh, in 84 through 88, and then came back out here as the assistant director through early 90, and I did go away for a while, but came back in this particular job in 98 uh, as the sales and marketing director. So when you add it all up, it's a little over uh, or some yeah, 30 years <laughs> Excellent. that I've had, you know, some of it was Everglades, but the vast majority of it was here in Yellowstone National Park. I met my wife here. I raised two daughters here who are now older and moved on. So uh, I've been very fortunate. This has been far more than a job. Uh, it's definitely been a, a wonderful life as well. That's excellent. And the beginning of your time out here, you were working with or for Mike Francis, weren't you? 
for Mike Francis. Yes, yes. he was. Yeah. In fact, that's the laundry connection. He yes. was my first boss, that's, so, and I couldn't have done any better because oh. he's obviously a very familiar, very involved with the park, and he's a photographer. And I got to spend, you know, time not only admiring his work but learning from him uh, about Yellowstone and and the park as a whole. And of course, he's wildlife photographer, and he was, used to be very involved with photography of bears so yes to, you know, to, to just invaluable the things i learned and the, how my experience was enhanced by my time and still is today by my time with mike francis That's, and he is a great falls boy of course he grew up here in town <laughs> yes, he yep and yeah i've known mike for 30 some years and we're wor- actually working on volume two of the found photos of yellowstone so. Well, and, and every once in a while he comes here and visits, and he'll oftentimes stay at the house. Excellent. And uh, I'm not a huge collector, but i got a few things. And um, so he's he's done some photography of some of our mementos from over the years. Oh, good. Um, and so uh, at some point, perhaps some things will find their way into his books. But That's right. uh, whether or not they do, I have his and your books, and uh, and I'm very happy that I do. I, in fact, when we have people visiting, I, I set the, I truly do set them out oh. on the coffee table, and inevitably they're, they. The conversation starts to end because they're focused on on those works. Oh, so that's thank very you good. Both for that and oh. all you've done for my visitors. Oh, hey, no problem. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for doing that. <laughs> well, excellent. Well, let's talk about Yellowstone in the winter. So, any of our listeners who have visited Yellowstone in the summer, they're going to experience something very, very different when the snow is on the ground, aren't they? They are definitely going to. You know, it's funny when you say that because I, oftentimes when I'm trying to explain it to folks, in one in one capacity I, I share it's everything you liked about summer with snow on it, mm-hmm. but that it is a big difference uh, when you put snow on it. And of course, there's other there's a variety of things that do change. It's not exactly the same uh, over and above the temperature, but um, it is it's a different experience in several ways. Start with the obvious. There's two hotels open in the winter. It's about 230 rooms. When all the hotels are open in the summer, it's about 2,300 rooms. Wow. Um, we all we don't have any campgrounds open ourselves in the in the winter time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the bottom line being, uh, quite a few less visitors in the winter, and it's probably somewhere around 10 percent of what you get in the year. So we'll we'll sometimes call it a more intimate experience mm-hmm. or or whatever or the the undiscovered experience maybe. But uh, bottom line, it's it's a smaller group of people in the park, um, and for some people that's very appealing. But but at the same time, um, things change because there's snow on them, and and wildlife behavior and the, the opportunity to watch wildlife, which is a huge thing here, changes in the winter. Imagine, you know, if you're here in the summer and all the geysers, you see the geysers in the hot springs, and they're beautiful and and, and uh, quite captivating. In the winter, I think you know I don't want to overuse the term magical, but that's what it is. You know, you've got the colder temperatures, you've got the the hot springs, you've got steam, you've got water, hot water flying up out of the ground. Mm. And in geyser basins, that can create some incredibly uh, um, fascinating snowscapes as well. And, you know, the term ghost tree is used a lot. There's different mm-hmm. kinds of frost and, and that forms on trees and on anything standing. And so it can be a very amazing micro-experience from the standpoint of looking at crystals, ice crystals oh, and such, or maybe ice fog, or watching snow form after a geyser erupts and floating to the ground, 
to going out to a place like Amar Valley, or the, the northern range of the park, where uh, it, it's, it seems a little bit easier to watch wolves. And they, they're very good over the snow. And so while the temperatures may be down, you, see, you still see a fair amount of people out of Lamar Valley standing there for hours and hours at a time with their spotting scopes watching the wildlife operate in winter. Bison in the winter, their big old heads and their, their bodies are built for moving snow. You see things like that happen, and you, you kind of start to get a handle for how how the year-round process works in the park as well. I saw them in the summer. Now I see how they operate in the winter. Um, and it's um, typically winter visitors are folks who have already been here in summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so you also have that kind of a level of, of a visitor that, that is not brand new, understands, is definitely making a commitment to come here. So they're, they're pro- they may be more park uh, appreciative of the park uh, mm-hmm. along those lines and it's nice to see that too um that there are people who who have already developed a bit of a connection to yellowstone and now they want to see it in in the winter season and even our employee base most of our employees it's a much smaller staff they're they're all people who've who have worked here before okay. so it, they're brand new folks in many cases they are they're not brand new folks in many cases they're people who have been entry level positions or supervisors, I should say, and managers in the summer, then they come in here in the winter and they may take some entry-level jobs because they want to be here year-round, but they bring that extra level of expertise and enthusiasm to the table. And um, all of that, I think, collectively contributes, and more, uh, certainly more than that, to uh, a, a, a really special winter experience. And, and I, 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 I don't know that I've ever met anybody who's been here in winter who went away and said they, did, they weren't they weren't happy that they did. I, I, I think it just further enhances and amplifies how they feel about this special place. Well, I think one of the stark differences about visiting Yellowstone the winter, too, is the transportation options. So with Mammoth, you can drive to that, correct? From, you can drive from into the park at yes. Mammoth? Yes, yes. Yes, from the northern entrance, yes. and you can drive out to the uh, out into Lamar Valley, that northern range area, all the way out to Cook City, okay, uh, and the northeast entrance. So, yep, you can do that with your car, um, and that's nice. That's or you can take you know guided tours like we offer summer and winter, you know, and go with people who know uh, what's going on out there, know what's being seen. If there's recent wolf sightings, they know where that's to go. True. They have the scopes, maybe or the binoculars. Um, well, and you get but the, at the ride same in time. Oh, you get to ride in some of those cool snow coaches, too. You know, when you go into the park over snow, yeah. So you drive yourself into Mammoth, and then if you want to go south to the Grand Canyon or to Old Faithful or to the Yellowstone Lake or any other part of the park south of here, and I'm in Mammoth, then you're in the snow coaches. Yeah, and that's cool because, again, they're guided. They've got drivers. You're learning as you go. They're comfortable. Um, and, and so you can spend your time, which I always appreciate. I, I tend to be one who drives more than is a passenger. I like the fact that I don't have to drive. Yes. I can totally focus on, on looking at what's going on around me. And, and I mentioned one other thing, if I might, about the trip into Lamar Valley when you're in your own vehicle. Um, wolf watchers and wildlife watchers are, are, are all very, very good about sharing their spotting scopes or whatever, their experience with people. If you're, if you're, you know, courteous and 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 uh, thoughtful as you approach a turnout where there's a lot of people, maybe on scopes, and so and and I don't know that I've ever been turned away if I didn't have my own scope. Where people say, "Hey, I'm watching 
the wolves right now. You want to take a look? Oh, I'd love to. There's a community that kind yeah. of happens right. among strangers in the park year-round, but certainly in the summer, in the winter, when there's you know when there's so much focus on wolves and such. Um, I think yeah, I don't think that gets enough credit that the opportunity to meet people and 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 share that experience. No, I think you're right. I think there is a certain level of camaraderie there because it's such a magical experience to watch the animals that you want to involve everybody around you. Plus, yeah. plus I think and, with and the if it is their first time here, they're they're blown away. Yeah. And, at, at that <laughs> that enthusiasm. Well, it's that enthusiasm, and I think, you know, it's just, you do, you want to include everybody. Totally. Yellowstone's a, 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 a gentleman named Arthur Runte, Dr. He's, uh, Dr. Alfred Runte, has written a bunch of books over the years um, about parks, and he's big on trains and all that, too, historian. And he, in several of his books, he refers to parks, and, and you know, everybody thinks about the wildlife in Yellowstone or the geysers. But he made a big point about community, going mm-hmm. back to when people used to travel on trains and stagecoaches, and then the meals in the, in the hotels were big you know, group meals. You'd sit with people perhaps you hadn't known or just recently met. That community component in Yellowstone is something that, again, I think is is not always thought much about. It's 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 highly underrated. Mm-hmm. But uh, just like I mentioned with looking at a scope or sitting in a lobby in the winter in a hotel, these they're, they're largely historic hotels with big lobbies and small smaller rooms. It's all about the public spaces. And the fact that you get strangers coming together and talking and sharing their day's experiences, again, you're 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 connecting with folks. And I, I think that's a value that Yellowstone certainly brings to the table. And I, I believe all parks probably do, particularly if they have you know, older hotels where people or places where people can gather and share those experiences. No, that's a really, really good point. And I think you're absolutely accurate, too. That's great. And you yeah, talk about... Thank you, Dr. Runte. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, you talk about those historic hotels. So in Mammoth, it's Mammoth Hot Springs and the Cabins. And those open up what December fifteenth, I believe, this year. Yeah. Okay. They do. Uh, December fifteenth, and the Old Faithful Snow Lodge the next day. Oh, excellent. Okay, until the first part of March, I believe, the fourth and the third, I believe. Uh, I believe that's correct. Okay. If, if not, it's it's a day off. But what happens here is uh, Mammoth opens first, is being right at the park entrance and it closes last. That mm. way, people come in here, they spend the night, and the next morning they can get on a snow coach or however they're traveling to Old Faithful and get down there the day that opens. And then when it comes time to close at the end of the winter season, and as you've pointed out, it's a very short season. Mm-hmm. But it's an awful, awful great season, but um, folks will empty out the snow lodge, they'll snow coach out or snowmobile out if, if that's how they're traveling on one day and then the, uh, for the last night at Mammoth and then will close after that. Now, with the Old Faithful Snow Lodge, a lot of people, of course, are when they think Old Faithful, they think the the iconic Old Faithful Inn. But what is the snow lodge like for people to stay there? Well, it, it's got a great history. You know, there's a way back when, prior to uh, ninety up until 90, 1998, 
there was a former building there that was a cinder block, kind of a dormitory-style building with a small restaurant and such. The rooms did not have private bath. Very popular, though, and that was open in the winter. It was the original Old Faithful Snow Lodge. In fact, we used an employee dorm that had rooms which shared bath, uh, like two rooms sharing a bath, for guests as well, so they could have that kind of an option. Yeah. Highly popular, right down in the, in the Old Faithful Geyser Basin. It was great. But in 98, we began construction on this brand-new snow lodge, you know, that would be modern, much more comfortable. Um, but the cool thing about it is, it's, again, it's about 134 rooms, so it's smaller than the inn. It's across a parking lot. You can mm-hmm. see the inn from the snow lodge. And and as I understand it, uh, back then, I was here, there was a debate about what the design should be like. Should it be a mini inn or should it be its own thing? Well, the final decision was to make it, uh, as they described it, uh, a, a late 20th century example of rustic park architecture, okay. whereas Old Faithful Inn was in many ways the inspiration for uh-huh. rustic park architecture to start the century. So here we have the Snow Lodge. Instead of logs, it's pretty much heavy timbers. Um, it's a lighter wood. It's, it's, uh, it's a different kind of feel. Of course, it's newer rooms, too, um, and newer facilities, it, and it's, but it's not as big. But some of the cool things that were carried over, there are definitely a lot of tributes to the Old Faithful Inn or, or inspirations that came from the inn. One, uh, one kind of a funny one is that the first phase of the Snow Lodge was built. There's actually a, a shelf in the rooms that uh, runs around, uh, not all the way to the ceiling, but above you know, your head, mm-hmm. that serves no other purpose really than sort of decorative or dust collector. <laughs> why Why is that? No one could figure out. But yeah. why it is is because the old house rooms in the original Faithful Inn <laughs> have that dust shelf for some really? reason. But, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's, for me, that's fascinating stuff. Yes. And, uh, I, you know, the housekeepers aren't too thrilled no. about it, but uh, <laughs> in fact, in phase two, they had their voice heard, and then there's the shelf isn't there in phase okay. two of the Snow Lodge. It was built over the course of two years. Oh, that's but um, the, probably the, the one of the coolest things I think about it is that the heavy timbers are all recycled. We have a big commitment to sustainability, but uh, and these heavy timbers, some of them, including the Portica Share, uh, out off the one end of the building and uh, where cars drive up and mm-hmm. such and unload near the restaurant. And I believe some of the interior timbers came from a, uh, a building that was ultimately dismantled called the Aloha Sawmill in Washington State. Oh, wow. Aloha Sawmill happened to be responsible for milling the, sh- uh, the shakes, I believe, in some of the lumber for the Old Faithful Inn. Oh, that's so neat. So, isn't that amazing? Yes. And, and it's... Uh, the Big Timber Works is the name of the company. I don't know if I'm supposed to say any of that, but I don't work for them. But uh, they happen to be in Big Sky, Montana, so it turns out they're not so far away, and they found these timbers, and they were part of the Snow Lodge, which which is also the first and, and perhaps the last full-service hotel to be built in Yellowstone. It was the first since 1911. Oh, wow. So we built other things, but they weren't full-service hotels. They were other kinds of accommodations and things. So it's, it, it, there's more features to it. I mean, the, there's a tribute to the iconic bear pit murals, those whimsical animals that you see in the Old Faithful Inn uh, and the etched glass between the bar and the restaurant, or it, there are actually uh, examples of the original bear pit murals, which were carved in wood. Mm-hmm 
in our uh, Bear Paw Deli in the Old Faithful Inn. Well, in the Snow Lodge, there are a variety of features, furnishings and such, like chandeliers and, and other lighting fixtures and things that also use whimsical animals uh, in their design. And, uh, again, another kind of a tribute to, to the inn. So I, I think it was pretty wise on the part of the architects. Um, they complemented certainly the Old Faithful Inn and all that it means to Yellowstone and other national parks. But they built a building, designed a building that has its own identity as well. And, um, and, and something we've been, you know, certainly proud to be part of. I got to take a walk through when it was built. I, uh, I was here and uh, got to take a walk with the architect and around the Old Faithful Snow Lodge when it was when we were doing the big opening. And someone told me after that that I, you know, that how cool that was that I got to do that. That in many ways would have been like my opportunity if I had ever had it to walk around the Old Faithful Inn with Robert C. Reamer, who oh. was the architect of the inn. I got to walk around the Snow Lodge, you know, the, the you know, the, and get a similar tour. So. Uh, as you can tell, amazing. I think all of this is is immensely significant, and uh, to to parks certainly, and, and to Yellowstone specifically, um, it's it's a joy and a you know pleasure. And when you have kind of that inside information, uh, I, when I walk through the snow lodge, I'm I believe me, I'm thinking about it all the time. Well, now I'm kicking myself. I'm anxious to get back down there and start looking at these details that you just mentioned. <laughs> It's yeah, like amazing. It's, it's pretty fascinating, and and many people probably overlook it. They don't think twice about. It. They think, oh, this is nice. I yeah. like how they did it. And, but but the, there's a little more to it. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Well, the really cool thing too about whether you're staying at Mammoth or at Old Faithful Snow Lodge is you can use these as base camps for all sorts of adventures, can't you? With the cross country cross country skiing and also many of the tours that you have. So, what are some of the options available? Certainly, and there's some similarities between the two places at Mammoth and Snow Lodge, but obviously there are also some differences. Snow Lodge being only accessible by over snow travel and having you know, typically more snow uh, right there. But uh, we pride ourselves on our on our, um, if you will, menu of tours and activities, ways to connect people to the park. Uh, wildlife's a big one, so you know we have wildlife tours of Mammoth that go out to Old Fa- uh, that go that go out to <laughs> Lamar Valley as I mentioned earlier, and we have wildlife tours down at Old Faithful that go up to the uh, along the Madison uh, River and and that road out to our towards the west entrance, which can be really good for wildlife. We have uh, and other sorts of things up here. You know, Lamar is traveling in a regular minivan with regular tires down in Snow Lodge. All the all the tours are going to be in snow coaches, which have uh, um, the new generation of coaches have the big fifty plus inch low pressure tires that you often see on on agricultural vehicles. Well, they're very good for traveling over groomed snow. So those those kinds of tours all travel. Uh, in the snow coaches when you're at the snow lodge. We can take you to the Grand Canyon of Yellowstone in winter. Wow. It's a full-day trip, whether you go from Mammoth or Snow Lodge, but um, it's beautiful along the way. You're traveling along those however many miles of roadway. It's you know it's about 50 from Mammoth, and I guess it's probably comparable, maybe a little longer from Snow Lodge, but you get to see the old faith, the Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone, and that beautiful lower falls that so many people know about in the winter. Mm-hmm. It builds up a lot of ice. At certain times of day, you get a, you still get the beautiful uh, rainbow formed by the uh, uh, the uh, 
spray that's coming off the falls um, and little dusting of snow on those golden canyons. It's gorgeous, and you can go out there just for sightseeing, or you can go out there and ski. We we, we have a trip that goes out there, and you can bring your cross-country skis, and we'll do a little ski around the area before we head back. We we do things over to the uh, West Elm Geyser Basin from Old Faithful as well. Um, snowshoe tours also. So uh it, it in many ways what you do in the winter with the exception of snowing snowshoeing or skiing is a lot of what you can do in the summer we, our, our goal is to connect you to the park so we have a variety of tours and activities with very knowledgeable and most of them have been here for a long time the guides and they live in the park they come back year after year mm-hmm. they go through an extensive training program to not only be able to provide you any information you want to know but to make it fun and enjoyable um, and if you just want to do it on your own, our ski shops, we can rent your skis, we can tune your skis, we can wax them, uh, we can point you in the right direction, we've got the ski maps, you can join one of our guides. Um, you know, our intent is to connect you to the park always. And uh, that's that whole menu of tours and activities is scheduled or built around that. One other thing I mentioned, just kind of fun, we have ski rinks at both places. Uh, oh, nice. Ice skate, uh, ski rinks, ice skating rinks at both places. So, and we have free skates. So, Excellent. up here in Mammoth, uh, just off the uh, what we call the rec hall, there's a nice ice skating rink. It's lit up at night. We've got some music on, and typically a big bonfire out there. Same thing at Old Faithful, just outside the snow lodge. Down there, we even have colored lights, uh, even built into the ice, and the ice skates are there, and and a bonfire. So, you know, it's kind of fun. People go around and skate around a little bit, or just hang out by the fire with a, a hot chocolate or yes. something like that and, and enjoy the evening and as you know we're dark skies here yes so i was going to bring clear that up. night um if we, we even have a tour that goes out at night called steam stars and, and winter soundscapes but regardless so many people don't live in an area like this where we don't we we have such dark skies and um, there's a lot to be said for going out in the evening and enjoying either a full lit Moonlight walk around the geyser basin that's ample light to walk and feel good you know you're not worried don't need to worry mm-hmm. but um even you know in the when it's all starlight on a clear night it's still worth it um and a little thing i tell folks which i discovered just i don't know how many years ago even you can even we get starlight shadows here on a no moon night just stars on a clear sky. You go out and spend enough time outdoors, particularly in the summer. You can see this in the snow. You'll notice eventually. You'll be able to see your uh, your shadow oh. just from starlight. Wow. I, you know, not many people can say that. Uh, just one other benefit of having, you know, clear and uh, you know, uh, haze, if you will, free yes. night skies. No, oh, that's and it's just an absolutely magical experience. And this is something that. Visitors, like you said, throughout the world don't get to experience. Most don't. Uh, But so many do, which is cool. Um, But, uh, again, I'm from Syracuse, New York. I always knew there were stars up above, but Mm -hmm. I never paid a heck of a lot of attention to them. (laughs) Um, But you can't avoid paying attention to them when you're out the west here, and certainly in a place like Yellowstone. I mean, even even the park has guidelines so that when you – I mean, we do have outdoor lighting Mm -hmm. for safety. But it's done in a way to minimize how much of that escapes into the evening. I mean, minimal light pollution here. So, yeah, and, you know, people wonder, do we have more stars? (laughs) That's funny. No, but you can sure see a lot more of them. Uh, Last night, uh, two nights ago, I should say, I just, and I I live in Mammoth, and Mm -hmm. I even had my own porch light on, just walking outside, but, you know, the... 
the moon uh, illuminating, I, I can see the mammoth hot springs terraces from where I live in Mammoth. And the way the moon illuminated the terraces, and the steam's coming off, and, is, and you've seen them before. This is where even some of the colors, while not vibrant, you could see. Oh, and wow. um, moonlight is, has its own effect, as you know, on things. It's, it's, uh, it's again, I don't want to overuse the term magical, but it's, it's even otherworldly sometimes. Yes. And so as cold as it was, <laughs> I, was I, I just stood out there for a while until I, I needed to warm up a little bit just to, just to look. Yes. And uh, it, it, it's just, for me, it's fascinating, and it, it's captivating. And, uh, you know, it makes me pinch myself as I get to live here. Oh, I bet. And it looks like, you know, at least for the night sky viewers, 2024 is probably going to be a pretty good year for northern light events. The sun is really ramping up. So even though that's, it's such a fickle creature, <laughs> but there are yeah. going to be some good opportunities, I think, coming up this year. The only place I've ever seen the Northern Lights is here in Yellowstone. Excellent. And it was way back when, wow. uh, when I was first a seasonal. And uh, and I, you know, I remember, th- I just remember that first year, thinking that first summer, that I, again, I'm pinching myself. This is amazing. I am in a truly wild place, mm-hmm. and uh, with these dark skies, and there's animals everywhere, and and I'm in the middle of nowhere in a way, but in the middle of everywhere in another way. And as I'm sitting there and I'm watching the Northern Lights that I'd only ever seen on, on, on television, and I'm thinking, this is just amazing. And again, tribute to dark skies and, 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 and what goes along with that. We don't have that without a place like Yellowstone or right. other national parks. The fact that this place is set aside, the fact that it's managed like it is and protected like it is, it assures that we'll always, no matter what happens outside the park, for the most part, we'll always, we should always have these kinds of opportunities available to wherever you're from, internationally or, or domestically. So uh, if you can tell why I'm so enthusiastic, I'm, I, I consider myself, you know, just so fortunate to be in a place like this and represent a place like this and to be able to take part in doing what I can to protect it and preserve it. Well, that is a great way to wrap this up, Rick. Our time flew by. We're just going to have to make another date to talk about summer because you've covered winter so beautifully. I would welcome that. It's always nice talking to you and better seeing you, and yes. I appreciate all that you do on behalf of Yellowstone and uh, and with Mike Francis and others. It's it's a, it, there's some, Thank you for all you do as well. Well, thank you again. I also wanted to let listeners know that if they want to learn more about how to book a stay or anything else that's available in the park from National Yellowstone National Park Lodges, you just go to their website, which is YellowstoneNationalParkLodges.com. Thank you. Well, thank I hope you, you have a wonderful day, and to you and all your uh, listeners, uh, happy holidays. Oh, thank you, Rick. Have a great weekend. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The sun's sinking low in the west, and I know another day on the range has gone by. Bed down the strays We've been gathering all day With a Montana love 